Please open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 15. And when you find that, if you're able, please stand with me to read God's Word. We're going to be reading verses 32 to 39 today, talking about God's grace, which is being poured out in unmeasured quantities. Matthew 15. You know, we've all heard a lot of words this week. And my prayer is, as we hear God's Word, my prayer is that as you've heard God's Word this week, as you've got into the Word, as you've heard God speak, that, that it counteracts the words that we hear all week long that are not good for our souls. I pray that our hearts would be open to receive what God has for us today. So Matthew 15, and begin at verse 32. Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I am unwilling to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. And the disciples said to him, Where are we to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed so great a crowd? And Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? They said, Seven, and a few small fish. And directing the crowd to sit down on the ground, he took the seven loaves and the fish, and having given thanks, he broke them, and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up seven baskets full, of the broken pieces left over. Those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children. And after sending away the crowds, he got into the boat and went to the region of Magadan. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that it is your word. And we pray that you would teach us today that we would receive all that you have in store for us today. And we thank you, Lord. We, we commit ourselves to you and this time to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. So we're looking at the feeding of the 4,000 a day, and I'm sure it sounds familiar because we've looked before and you've, you, you've all heard of the feeding of the 5,000. Well, in the feeding of the 4,000, we see very similar to the 5,000, that God's gracious blessings are being poured out. Literally, they're being handed out to un, in unlimited quantities. The idea, and, and we see this right away in verse 32, is that Jesus is compassionate. Now, God's compassion and mercy and grace go together. Uh, oftentimes in the Bible, they are translated similarly. Many times, compassion is translated mercy. But whenever the compassion of Christ is expressed, His mercy and grace are close by. I think of Psalm 103 that says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious. He's merciful and gracious. I think of Psalm 86. You, O Lord, are a God who is compassionate, a God who is merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. I think of Psalm 145 where it says the Lord is gracious and compassionate, merciful. 
I think of 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 3 that calls God the, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our afflictions so that we can then in turn comfort other people with the same comfort that we've been comforted by in Christ. I think of 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9. It says this, For you know of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. I think that an awareness of God's grace being poured out in unlimited quantities is what we need to survive and to thrive while we live here on earth, but also it, it gets us ready for heaven. When we are aware that, that God is pouring out His grace in unlimited quantities. Now before we get into the text any, any deeper, I, I want to make a, a distinction here between two kinds of grace. The kind that we see in this passage of Scripture of the feeding of the 4,000, that's grace that everyone gets. It's what is known as common grace or general grace. It is common to all human beings regardless. Um, its benefits are common. They're experienced by, they're intended for everyone no matter what. Um, without distinction between one person or another. That's Things like sunshine and air and, and water and a beating heart and things like that. Common grace. It is grace because it is undeserved and it is sovereignly given by God. So that's the first kind of grace and it's what we see in this passage specifically. The second kind of grace is different because it goes far, far deeper. It is what is known as special or saving grace. And, and it's given only to those who believe in Christ by grace through faith. It is only given to those whom God chooses to save. The idea is that God pours out His gracious blessings on all people in a general way, but only on Christians in a saving way. And that's where God is justifying and sanctifying and glorifying those who believe, those whom he's chosen. He, he makes them right with him by faith and grows them in Christ and, and conforms them to the image of Christ and gets them ready for eternity. So there's two kinds of grace. And in this passage, we see a picture of how God's grace operates, really on both fronts. He, he, he basically knows our condition, he sees our need, he sees our pain, he sees our misery due to sin, and he meets the need, and as the result is to satisfy those who receive his blessing. Here, you see it in this passage. In the first two verses, Jesus sees their condition. He feels for them, and so in the next three verses, 34 through 36, he meets their need. Last three verses, 37 to 39, you see that they are satisfied. They are their need has been met. That's what we see. Here's what we, we see in particular, that God pours out His undeserved gracious blessings on whomever He wants, whenever He wants. It's God's choice. He pours out His, 
his blessings of grace on anyone he wants, anytime he wants. Look with me at verse 32. Jesus calls the disciples to him. Now, what's the context? The context was that for the, the, the last three days, they had been, he, he had been healing people. People were going up the mountain, blind, and, and being healed by Jesus, and they were able to see. They were going up the mountain, deaf, and they were healed by Jesus, and they were able to hear. They, went, they were carried up the mountain, unable to walk, and they were healed by Jesus, and they were able to walk. And basically, the people stayed. They hung out. They, they were praising God. It says in verse 31, they glorified the God of Israel. These are Gentiles. They're glorifying the God of Israel. They're, they're speaking great things about God. They're praising Him. They're blessing His name. That's what's going on. And Jesus calls a time out. He says, hey, huddle up, disciples. A little family meeting here. And he, he calls the disciples to him, and he says, I have compassion on the people. Now, we've seen Jesus' compassion before. Just go with me to, to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. He sees the crowds, and he had compassion for them. Compassion means to feel deeply in, inside, in, in your heart, in your soul. It, it's, it comes from a, 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 a word that means your, your liver and your kidneys and your heart. <laughs> the parts of you that are all protected inside your body. They're not on the outside. They're deep, deep on the inside because they're, they're tender and they're, they're crucial. They're important. So when you're feeling compassion, you want to do something for the person in need. You can't be compassionate without feeling it. Or else it's not compassion. It's the whole person involved in the situation. Jesus felt compassion for them. Therefore, he acted for good on their behalf. They were harassed and helpless, Matthew 9 says, like sheep without a shepherd. You also see in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus' invitation, verse 28, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. What great blessed comfort. You also see it in, in Matthew 14, verse 14. Jesus, and this is when he fed the 5,000, a different situation but it says that when he saw the great crowd he had compassion on them and he healed their sick his compassion for them led to his healing of their sick now in this situation Jesus says I have compassion on them verse 32 of, of chapter 15 because they had been with me now three days so here's this crowd Surely mixed with people who had been healed and people who had compassionately brought people to be healed by Jesus. And there's at least 4,000 men, including, then, then not including women and children. So just like in the feeding of the 5,000, there were upwards to 10, 15, 20,000 people. And Jesus calls his disciples and says, I have compassion on them. I don't want to send them away hungry. 
I don't want them to faint on the way home. Mark tells us that many of them came from a long way off. Can you imagine how, how bad it would have been if you got healed by Jesus of blindness or deafness and then you, you're down going home on the way and you're so tired you, you faint, you don't have any food and you, you, you trip over a rock and you kill yourself. That wouldn't be good, would it? Jesus didn't want something to happen to them. He had made them whole and now he's saying, I want to fill their stomachs. They're empty. They're growling. They're weak. You know how it is when you haven't eaten. Now, Jesus says, uh, I don't want to send him away. And his disciples say, well, verse 33, it's going to sound really familiar. How are we going to find so much food in a desolate place to, to feed such a big crowd? Now, you might wonder to yourself, what is their problem? Hello, can't they get it? But maybe it's because the last time with the feeding of the 5,000, they came to Jesus with the need. They said, Jesus, the people need food. And he said, you give them something to eat. They're like, we don't have enough. So here, maybe they're just saying, look, we don't have what it takes to feed them we don't have the resources we we only have jesus asks them what do you have verse 34 how many loaves do you have and they say seven and a few small fish how many people are there four thousand men plus women and children now that's like if i said to hey after church today we're going to spend some time and, and eat lunch together and i've brought lunch right here in my pocket one tiny grain of rice and we're all going to share it that's how much we've got now one tiny grain of rice for all of us is more food than seven loaves and and a few small fish for for 10 15 20,000 people they they were had far 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 less than what they needed to feed the people that was was obvious point to them so they said how are we going to get this kind of food so Jesus takes matters in his own hands as he ought to, as he should, as God. Verse 35, he directs the crowd to sit down on the ground. Now some people say about the 4,000 and the 5,000 feedings, well these are just the same story just told in a different way. Not true. Some people I've heard say, well the, the feeding of the 4,000, that's like a junior miracle. Not true. Some, some people have said, well the people that the 4,000 didn't have as much faith, and that's why there were less baskets full left over. Not true. These were amazing miracles of God, no matter how you count them. In fact, think of this. Maybe the, the 4,000 men had more kids than the people in the 5,000 group, and there might be more people. You know, that could have, that could have been. Whatever the case, Jesus takes matters in his own hands and he directs the crowds to, to sit on the ground, different than the other, than the 5,000. The 5,000, he directed them to sit on the grass. Here, they're on dirt. So probably months separated these two times and, and different season of the year. So he takes the food and it says he blessed it. That's why we pray before meals. 
Because Jesus gave us a pattern of thanking God for what we have. What do we say to our kids? You better eat that because I paid for that. Just speaking from my own experience here, okay? But what we should say is, you better eat that because I paid for that from the gracious gifts that God has enabled me to have and then to buy that food. It's from God. We should stop before everything and thank God for what we've been given. So he breaks the food after he blesses it and he gives it not to the people but to his disciples and then they in turn give it to the people verse 37 i love this this is we we can almost miss the amazing nature of what he has just done because verse 37 just says and they all ate and were satisfied hold on a minute wait a minute they they had seven loaves and a few small fish and then the disciples passed it out and everyone ate and was satisfied this does not mean they all like took a little crumb or or you know uh got a piece of skin or of the fish or whatever or the tail or whatever they all ate all that they wanted and were satisfied we know how that feels two three four times a day don't we we satisfy ourselves by filling our stomachs with food their stomachs were full of food this was a miracle of gargantuan proportions that's big proportions and and then what happened it, it tells us that they they picked up seven baskets full of leftovers now here's another difference between the feeding of the five thousand and the feeding of the four thousand in the feeding of the five thousand the word for baskets means a small basket that you could fit one or two meals in the word for baskets in in chapter 15 and the feeding of the 5,000 fourth excuse me 4,000 is different different word it's a huge basket big enough that a grown man could fit in it big basket so probably there were more leftovers from the feeding of the 4,000 than the feeding of the 5,000 12 small baskets or seven really really big baskets of leftovers verse 38 it says uh, there's the count now similar to the feeding of the 5,000 there was 4,000 men besides women and children verse 39 tells us he sent the crowds away afterwards they're all going back home and he gets in the boat and goes to Magadan more ministry more grace being poured out But what can we learn from this passage? What, what by way of, uh, you know, observation and also implication is here for us? I think first of all, and we see it in the very, very first verse we looked at, verse 32. What we see is Christ's compassion. Christ's compassion is unending. It, it doesn't end. It, it never ends. It, his, he feels for and with those in misery. Whether they're hungry, whether they're blind, whether they're deaf, whatever the situation, he feels deeper than anyone could feel about the situation. Now, I'm not that compassionate. Uh, my compassion, I am a compassionate sometimes. But I'll give you two examples. Just yesterday, I was, I was watching college football. By the way, a great day of college football yesterday. And, and soccer, I was coaching soccer. Well, well, first of all, I am not compassionate towards people who root for the teams I don't root for. So my team won, and the team I, I root against lost. Beautiful day of college football. I love it. 
I'm on the soccer field yesterday, and our team won. It was a walk-off goal. I'm serious. It was the, the last 10 seconds. We made a goal and won. And one of my, my fellow coaches, who was in second hour, by the way, one of my fellow coaches said, you know, I kind of feel bad for the other team. I'm like, I don't. <laughs> They're losers. I mean, come on. Someone's got to win, and it was us today. And I, and I, and I said, look, they get the privilege of, 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 um, of dealing with defeat like we did last week. You know, the character development that we went through last week, now they get blessed with that. Jesus' compassion never ends. We're not very compassionate. We say, well, you got yourself into it, or, or you lost, or whatever. Jesus says, I feel for you. And Jesus initiated in this situation. In the feeding of the 5,000, they came to him. Here, he initiates the action. It reminds me of Romans 9 and verse 15, that when he's recalling uh, what, what happened in, in Exodus 33, but he, when he said to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I'll have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. It's God's prerogative. It's God's choice. And here's what happens. He sees their condition. He feels compassion. And he acts for good on their behalf. We might walk away. He goes towards them for good. And they did not deserve what they got. He, he acted solely for his glory and their good due, due to his amazing grace. God did what he did solely due to his sovereign, choosing, independent, perfect will. And the people here were static. All they did is receive. They didn't ask for it. They got it. It's that's what, what it means to be surprised by grace. You've been surprised by God's grace. When you, when you knew you didn't deserve it. And you didn't even know it was coming your way. God initiates. And you know, he initiates both blessing and judgment. We've seen this over and over, really. And we've seen it particularly in Matthew 15, where people may have asked for what they got, but, but it is God's sovereign choice that gives the relief. You look at the beginning of Matthew 15, and here's Pharisees and scribes coming to Jesus and accusing him. And he unswervingly answers them and says, you break God's command for the sake of your traditions. He unashamedly says, you are hypocrites. He shows them how Isaiah the prophet prophesied judgment against them. The next situation, verse 10, he called the people to them, to himself. Because they were being um, misled by their religious leaders. They, were, they had been twisting the scriptures. And he says, you need to hear this and understand it. I don't, I don't want you to listen to lies. I want you to, to know the truth that sets you free. You see the next situation, verse 21. This Canaanite woman who comes to him. And at first he doesn't engage her. But then he sees her faith. And he says, your faith is great. You're getting what you wanted. Your daughter healed instantly. Then, we, then up on this mountain, all these people bringing sick people and lame people and blind and, and deaf people to Jesus and him healing them. Him doing what, what only God can do. What he, what he did here in the feeding of the 4,000 really foreshadows the kingdom of God where Jews and Gentiles who believe would both receive the gracious blessings of God in Christ. 
and everyone who received that doesn't feel worthy but is grateful Martin Luther said it this way grace is given to heal the spiritually sick not to decorate spiritual heroes we need God's unending compassion and his mercy and his grace because we know we're spiritually sick we, we need him we're not getting brownie points we're not getting rewards and medals for good behavior here we're getting grace God's compassion is unending another thing we see in this passage comes from the same verse verse 32 it's that God's timing is perfect his timing is perfect he says the people have been with me three days already he didn't feed them on the, the first day or the second day or the fourth day, but the third day. And I don't know what was important about that, but God's timing is perfect. I don't know if any of them were saying, we're starving, like we do after a couple hours of not eating. I don't know if they were worrying about where their food was going to come from. And I don't know about you. I don't know about every one of your needs. God does, but I don't know if you're worrying. I don't know if you're starving in, in some way, spiritually or other but you can be assured of this there is nothing that happens in your life that the all-knowing ever seen eye of God does not notice you can be assured that every single need of yours and even your wants are known by God you know sometimes we mix those two don't we we think well I need this but really it's just that we want it it's really it's it's not that we that we that we really, really, really need it even though we really, really, really want it. And there, there are times that we'll pray and say, Lord, please meet this need even by this day. And God may not meet that need by, this, by that day. He might meet the need before that day. He might, might meet the need after that day or he might not meet that need because whatever you get, you know you get what is perfect. His good, acceptable, and perfect will. That's what we pray for. But how many times, think with me for a moment, how many times have you seen that God has met your needs? How many times has God met your needs? I know things about you just by looking at you right now, that how God has met your need. You are sitting in here, which means he met your need for a beating heart. He kept you alive so you could be here today, and there's no accident that you're here today. It's significant that you're here right now hearing this sermon, and it, it, it's significant because... God brought you to this place at this time for some purpose. I know that God has met your need for clothing because you're all dressed really nicely and, and you look great and, you're, and hopefully you're all in your right mind. You're clothed and in your right mind. I know how easy it is to complain about what we don't have. I know how easy it is to want something so badly and not get it and then be disappointed and disillusioned and, and even angry, even resentful because we didn't get it. You could think of it this way. What you don't have right this moment, you don't need right this moment. And so you could say, hey, it's a beautiful day. It's the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in Him because His timing is perfect. And I might not get everything I want, but I will get everything I need. God's timing is perfect. What else do we see? 
We see this in verse 34 and also verses 37 and 38. But it's the idea of God's resources being limitless. God's resources are limitless. They, they never run out. The feeding of the 4,000 was an unexplained event apart from the supernatural. Only God could do this. And this wasn't merely about food. There was something getting pointed out much greater. It was about God's unlimited resources. You know, I think about God's unending generosity. He gives, he gives, he gives, he gives, and he gives. What do we do? We take and take and take and take and take. We like to say, hey, I'm a giver, not a taker. But we're takers. We're leeches. We, we, we just take and take. But God gives freely, and he gives of costly grace. We set limits on that, don't we? I'm not going to give any more to that person because of what they did. I'm not going to give to that person because of how they look. I'm not going to give to that person because of how they smell. I'm not pointing at anyone in this room. I'm going over your heads. God's unlimited resources. We tend to take them for granted. I do. I I just take for granted that the sun is going to rise in the morning. I just take for granted that I'll have air to breathe. I just take for granted that I'm going to be able to walk when I get out of my chair or out of bed in the morning. I forget how amazing God's gracious gifts are, even at the simplest level. Bread. Fish. For all you pescatarians, that's someone who only eats fish. You wondered. We came home from vacation this year, and um, we had this huge water bill. I realized something. There was an unending flow of water at my house while I was gone. came from a leaky toilet. What did I do? I fixed it because I didn't want to pay such high water bills. You ever been to Niagara Falls? You ever seen it? it? Okay, I took video of it when we were there. Gushing water, millions of gallons just going and going and going and there's no recirculating pump by the way it just goes and there's unending uh, supply and demand it's just bam 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 all the time huge amounts of water you know what it says in john chapter one it says of, of, of believers of his fullness we have all received and grace upon grace grace for grace grace in the place of grace grace heaped upon grace showered with grace, lavished upon us. You know, you look in the uh, ocean. You go to the ocean recently. You look at the ocean you, and, you, and you see that, and you know what that is? That's a tiny, tiny example of how unlimited God resource, God's resources are. Look in the sky. Some of us can see the stars at night, even here in Southern California, right? Well, Look in the sky and see how vast the expanse is. That's a tiny, tiny example of how unlimited God's resources are. You know, we say, well, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, but he's not giving me the ones I need. He's going to give you everything he needs. His timing is perfect, and his resources are limited, are unlimited. Ours, they're limited. His, unlimited. You know what that you know what it does for us? Knowing that, here's what it does for us. It gives us the freedom to stop worrying. You know what that is because you do it all the time. I'm the biggest worrier around. Some days I'm just feeling kind of uneasy thinking I'm worrying about something, but I don't know what I'm worrying about. 
Some days I'm having a really good day and I'm thinking, can't enjoy it too much because something might happen. You know what happens when we worry? We put our faith in the wrong place. Not in God. Jesus said, why are you anxious? Matthew 6, right? Why are you anxious about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat? To seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything you need is going to be added to you. Therefore, don't be anxious about your life. Stop putting your faith in the wrong place. God is going to supply your need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.19 In spite of your sin. In spite of your unworthiness. That's grace. That's gospel grace. You can't earn his blessing. You get it, though you don't deserve it. That's how it always is and always will be. Thinking this week about the fact that we can't do anything in the Christian life apart from the Holy Spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us the Spirit gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The Spirit gives life. Romans 8, 11 says, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in your mortal bodies, He will also give, give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit. God's resources, though, they are unlimited. And one last thing. God's servants are useful. God's servants are useful. Look at verses 35 and 36. Jesus said, uh, to the crowd to, to sit down on the ground and then he took the seven loaves and fish and give, gave thanks, broke them and gave to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. Why is that significant? Why is that important? Why is that crazy? People would have called them crazy by the way. They were in Gentile country with pagan Gentiles serving them food? Unworthy, unclean, untouchable, and Jesus says, you are going to get defiled in some people's minds for what you're going to do right now. You're serving me, but some people will say, you're defiled. They're going to have to get their hands dirty to do God's work. They're going to have to put their big boy servant pants on and get busy. I tell you, it will cost you to go out to the crowd. It will cost you if you, if you say, God, I will do anything, anywhere for you that you call me to do then it's going to cost you. The context were hated Gentiles. And they did not refuse. They just went. Interesting, Peter still had to get a lesson recorded in the book of Acts about don't call unclean what God has pronounced clean. That was about preaching the gospel to Gentiles. I ran across John Wesley's 21 accountability questions this week. Number 19. Speaking of God's servants being useful, and sometimes we as uh, who know Christ uh, are to be serving the Lord with gladness, Psalm 100, verse 2. Sometimes we get a bit soured. You know how the milk sours in the kitchen, in the, in the fridge? Well, sometimes we get a bit soured, and maybe we're more hindering or unhelpful than we are serving Him with gladness. This one will help you. Psalm, uh, verse nine, uh, excuse me, number 19 of John Wesley's accountability questions. Is there anyone whom I fear dislike, disown, criticize, hold resentment towards, or disregard? If so, what am I going to do about it? I'm praying 
that we and all of God's people would find true freedom in Christ. That we would find true freedom in Christ, freedom from judgment and condemnation and, and false righteousness. That we would walk in the glorious freedom of the children of God. That we would have hearts free from anger and resentment and animosity and unforgiveness. That we would have hearts full of compassion and mercy and grace. That's, that's what I am praying that, that in, and until that day when our vision is fully cleared that we would, 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 would God would, that God would uncloud our vision enough for us to take to choose to take the high road rather than the low road and, and you're hearing this coming from someone who takes the low road too often Jesus Christ is Lord Galatians 6.10 tells us as, as we have opportunities as we have opportunity, do, let us do good to all people, and especially those of the household of faith. You start in your own household, you go to the church, and you go out, and, and you do good. By God's enabling, by His Spirit. Colossians 3, first thing it says to put on, the new clothes of the Christian, first, first piece of clothing of, of the Christian is a heart of compassion. A heart of compassion that feels for others. Yeah, I think that awareness of undeserved blessings from God makes us not hold too tightly to them. Uh, and, and we want to, to, to share with others. And, and if, you know, if, if, if you said, hey, Mike, bottom line it for me right now, Mike, what's the big deal about this, about this passage? I would say this, share Christ's blessings, don't hoard them. Share Christ's blessings, don't hoard them. The disciples didn't go, well, thanks for all this. We're going to take it and have a little party just us. They, they gave it out to the people. They gave it out. It's really interesting that we often want to hold on. You know, I read an article recently that said that giving in churches is at uh, some all-time lows. The same article said that, that churches in, in and of themselves are giving less outside their four walls and spending more on themselves. And, and I, I don't say much of this as your pastor. I don't, give, I don't talk about money very often, but I probably should. Because you'd be missing the joy of giving and the joy of worshiping God if you don't give sacrificially. We need you to give sacrificially at Grace. But as your leadership, we need to be making decisions how we can bless people outside these four walls in terms of compassion and in terms of spreading the gospel. And that's a sacred trust. But we're, we're not to, sh to, to hoard Christ's blessings all for ourselves. Grace isn't just for me and me alone. It's for me to share with my family. It's for me to share with you. It's for me to share with out, outside the body. Now, in a physical way, it's easy to go feed someone. But you can't say to someone, hey, you're saved now. But you can do this. Like us crawling through the desert. No food. No water. Dying of thirst. Dying of hunger. And all of a sudden... God provides a beautiful spring of water and a refrigerator full of food. And you go eat and you go drink and then you go get the other people that are crawling through the desert not, uh, dying of thirst and hunger and you go show them the well that never runs dry and, and the supply that never goes away. You take them to Jesus. You take them to the only Savior. You know what we need to do? Just like the disciples, they took their basket, the big baskets full of God's blessings, and they passed them out to everybody. We need to take our big baskets full of God's gospel blessings 
in every imaginable form the word of God and, and real stuff to go help people and we got to share it with Muslims and Jews and Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons and agnostics and atheists and anyone else who doesn't know Christ and we got to be honest with them and say you know what you are a sinner and you need a savior and rescue is available let's pray Lord God, thank you that you are so gracious and kind. Lord, I confess to you that I often can take any story of your grace and make it man-centered, make it law-centered. But Lord, praise you that this story of the feeding of the five, four thousand is, is initiated by Christ and enabled by Christ and honoring to Christ. It is Christ-centered. Thank you, Lord, for the truth that, that Billy read earlier that, that Christ was cursed for us. Thank you, Lord, that he was cursed for us so that we would receive his gracious blessing. And Lord, we are blown away and amazed by your grace. And we thank you for the gracious blessings you've given us in, in Christ. Righteousness and holiness and, and being beloved by you and chosen by you and cleansed and forgiven by you and blessed by you, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.